Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. Hey, everybody. This is Leonardo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Bull Spit with Moose. Cowabunga! Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bulls. I'm your host, Moose. Got a nice one for you today. Nice return guest. Here to uh, talk about his new book and everyone's favorite redhead. Author and friend of the show, Mr. Gary K. Wolf. Hey, hey how you doing? Uh, nice to be here. Certainly my favorite redhead. Um, and in case anybody in the world wonders who we're talking about, that would be Jessica Rabbit. Yes, it is. And your new book is Jessica Rabbit's Serious Business. Yeah, my new book, Jessica Rabbit's Serious Business, yes. Um, an interesting an interesting progression to that book. Um, as, you, as you know, if, uh, I mean, I've talked about this before on the show. Uh, I, I was really taken as a kid with comic books and uh, noir mysteries like uh, Dashiell Hammett, Maltese Falcon kind of stuff, and um, so that's really that's really pretty much what I wrote when I started being a writer. I wrote noir mysteries, and I am now regarded as uh, one of the premier writers of noir mysteries up there with with the Maltese Falcon and Goodbye My Lovely and any classic noir mysteries ever written. The only difference being that all of my noir mysteries have a talking rabbit in them, um, <laughs> but. I wrote them all to be really good noir mysteries, and, and, and they are. They're all good noir mysteries. Tough-talking uh, detective and you know a lot of uh, dark, moody atmosphere. Um, well, people constantly ask me a couple of questions. They ask me, uh, where did Toons and uh, how, how did Toons how did Toontown come to be? And, and the big one, um, how did Jessica meet Roger? And how did they fall in love? Uh, so I, I decided, this was my pandemic, uh, I was quarantined as were we all, uh, you know, stayed in my, uh, stayed in my office 24-7 for almost two years uh, with nobody to entertain me except the, uh, the voices in cat. your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, so I decided, well, you know, time to answer the unanswered questions. So I decided to do a book about Jessica, and the, the, I'm calling it a, a Jessica Rabbit origin story and a Toontown origin story because it's both. It it talks about uh, how Jessica Rabbit went from being uh, a poor shop girl named Jessica Krupnick, uh who worked in a... Uh, Kind of a low-end Toys R Us called Wacky Wabbits. Uh, how she went from that to becoming Jessica Rabbit, the Jessica Rabbit that we all. Um, and I, you know, it was it was a it was a tough book to write. I uh, I thought about it, thought about it for a long time, um, and uh, finally sat down to write it. it. Took me two years, as I say. It was my pandemic book. Worked on it every day, and. Um, it, it was very. It's, 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 in terms of a book, it's so far it's been incredibly successful for me personally because it made the pandemic just fly by. I 
I got up every morning and I so look forward to writing my Jessica Rabbit book that the pandemic just flew by. I didn't realize that I was that I was quarantined, that I wasn't seeing any people. Uh, I, uh, I I was no longer wearing pants, and it wasn't uh, <laughs> you know it was just mostly because I forgot to every morning. <laughs> um, but, but it it really passed the time for me, and um, it turned out to be a very very good book. Um, I sent it to my editor, who, uh, who was the guy who uh, edited my second novel, who plugged Roger Rabbit, and also the guy who bought uh, my first novel, who censored Roger Rabbit. He bought it for paperback for Valentine, and he, he bought the second no- novel. He became president of Villard. He bought the uh, second novel for Villard and edited it first. So he helped me editing this one, and um, uh his comment when he, when he read the first draft was, this is just laugh out loud funny. And um, I I always find that to be kind of interesting to me. Uh, because people say that about all my books. I mean, they, they say, geez, you know, this, this book is hilarious. And if you look me up on Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia says that I'm right now the premier American humorist. I am the modern Mark Twain, um, funniest guy alive. Well, <laughs> the thing about it is that I don't write funny books. In my mind, I don't write funny books. My books are drop dead serious. I say I called and, you dystopian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and I, I don't know where that's coming from, but hey, hey, you know, I'll take it. Um, I guess this writers, writers get. To, I've talked to other writers, and it's it's, it, it's not just me. This happens. To I, it's just me that I've ever talked to who, who thinks he's writing a serious book and people think it's funny. I've never talked to anybody else said that. But people are always coming up to me saying, wow, you know, I read the darker meaning of, of this. You know, this this book talks about this, uh, you know, psychological concept and this theory of uh, uh, of how this song came to be. And, uh, you know, some of that, yeah, some of that's in there. You know, if you read the early Roger Rabbit stuff, uh, there's a lot of stuff in there about about prejudice. There's a lot of stuff in there about racial. Uh, you know, twos are um, a second-class citizen. Uh, they're discriminated against by people. And yeah, that's in there. Yeah, I put that in there. I did it intentionally. Uh, Steve Spielberg and Bob Zemeckis, when they were made a movie, they picked up on that. We talked about it, and that's an undertone in the movie too. And I, you know, I'll own up to that. <laughs> The rest of it, I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> um, but anyway, they, they, you know, the editor thought this was this was just a hilarious hilarious. and um, it has in it what he considers uh, to be a really good thing in um, movie. And I'm going to have to paraphrase it because what he called it was not appropriate for uh, family listening. But he said um, that it has a oh my god moment. You know, where you say, oh my God, where did that come from? <laughs> and um, uh, you can imagine what he really said. But yeah. um, it, it it does. You you will read this book and uh, you will not you will not see it coming. You just will not be able to predict what's coming. Um, I, uh, it, it makes it kind of hard for me to talk about because I can't. I don't want to give away too much of the story for fear of uh, giving away the big surprise because I am the worst secret keeper in the world. <laughs> Do not tell me a secret because it will be blabbed all over town. Even though I cannot keep a secret, I, I own up to that. I admit it. Everybody knows. Nobody tells me anything. Um, so you know, I know. I know. I know a secret. I know what the Jessica Rabbit book is all about. So I, I have to be a little careful. What I say about it, uh, and I will tell you, I, I will give you one big reveal. Um, and I talk about this actually two big reveals. Uh, I talk about the, the forward of the book. Um, people who are going to buy this book and read it uh, and think that this is kind of an extension of the movie that's set in 1940s, uh, that it's a period piece, uh, you're going to be disappointed because it's not a period. It, to my mind. I said it instead of the here now, it's said today. Uh, it's contemporary, as, it's ripped from today's headlines. It's, it is a, a contemporary book. Um, to my mind, 
uh, tunes are timed. They operate in a in a linear time universe all their own. Uh, so today, tomorrow, last year, whatever, it all kind of blends together. Um, you know, you can have you can have Roger Rabbit set in the forties. You can have Roger Rabbit set in the, in the modern day. You can have Roger Rabbit set anything. You can probably bring back and have him set in you know, King Arthur's Round Table. And, and if you think about it, if you think that Roger, Jessica, and all the tunes exist today, uh, and they're actors, well, they make movies. Um, they make movies set in the 40s. They make movies set in the 30s. They make movies set whenever. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let you know a little secret. I mean, John Wayne was really not a cowboy. <laughs> John <laughs> Wayne lived in Beverly Hills, and and even though he's, he's thought of as a cowboy and made a ton of cowboy movies, he really, really wore suits and drove cars. So that's the same kind of thing that, that I envision down. So I've set this in modern day. Um, it's not a noir mystery. Uh, it, it is an example of my other favorite genre. I had two, two favorite genres. One of them was noir mysteries, which I've loved since I was a kid. And the other was James Bond spy novels. Which I came to love when I was in college. I read my first one, Doctor No, uh, it was Finals Week three, uh, and um, I was hooked. I, I read all the James Bond novels, saw the James Bond, and uh, graduated to Eric Ambler, um, Chris Files. Uh, I've always been a big fan of secret agent spy novels, Born Identity, love that stuff. So uh, that is the genre. Jessica Rabbit is a secret. And so initially, the book talks about how she went from being a poor shop girl named Jessica Crookneck, who you know works in a toy store, to becoming a secret agent. And um, then it, uh, it talks about um, how she, per- she pursues, she was supposed to work for a company called Sirius. X-E-R-I-O-U-S, Sirius, spelled like Sirius with an S except for an X. And Sirius is a um, company, an organization, a good organization whose mission is to pursue and capture criminal masters, what they do. And so Jessica goes out and pursues. And the big criminal mastermind that they are all out to pursue is named The Clown. Uh, and that's spelled K-L-O-W. And his organization is uh, Yuck, Y-U-K, um, and uh, he is a criminal. Now, his, he wears a disguise, of course, so you do not know uh, really who he is, like uh, a lot of criminals done. But um, his, his disguise consists uh, entirely of, of a big red nose. Puts a big red nose on his face, and suddenly um, nobody can figure out who he is, right? Um, except for Jessica, who um, is much smarter than all the men that, uh, that surrounds him. And Sirius is almost exclusively male. Jessica is clearly smarter than anybody else. Um, so it, you know, she's paired up with another with with the Sirius' uh, hottest and best. Secret agent guy named Robbie, and um, he uh, uh, he's a misogynistic good boy. I mean, he doesn't think that she's ever going to measure up as a secret agent. Uh, she hates him, but and um, you know, from there it spins off into just an incredible, uh, incredible spy, uh, incredible spy story. Um, the other big reveal that I that I will tell you, and I give this away too in the forward, is that uh, Jessica Rabbit is human. She is not a tune. There are no tunes in Jessica Rabbit's world. So, where do tunes come from? And, you know, how do tunes come to be? Well, um, for that, you're going to have to read the book because I can't tell you. That's one of those, oh my God moments. You're never going to see it coming, but all of a sudden, there it is. And, um, you know, when I was writing the book, I wanted to portray Jessica as um, a strong, confident, um, can-do, intelligent, creative woman. 
and I didn't want to portray her exclusively as a sex object, you know, just a, just a pretty thing. Uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, she was not just the ideal woman of the 15-year-old boys who bow down and, and homage to me every time I, I do a trade show. I wanted her to be an ideal woman for other women. I wanted her to be someone that other women could look up to and relate to and say, wow, you know, she's really cool. I, I didn't want to, didn't want to uh, downplay her. I didn't want to uh, disparage her in any way. I didn't sexualize her. Um, and, uh, you know, that's hard. I mean, I'm a guy writing a book about a woman. <laughs> that's hard. Uh, uh, you know, when I first started writing movies, and, you know, I, I would write scripts about women, I... I I didn't have any women in my life growing up. I mean, I had my mother, but my mother was a, a strong, confident, working woman. And she wasn't feminine. Uh, you know, she didn't wear frilly things, and you know, she she ran the house and she ran her fist. I had no sisters. I had no cousins. Uh, in my hometown, uh, the boys outnumbered the girls by thirty-five to one. So you know, good luck getting a date if you're the president of the Checkers Club. Um, so I. I had no, I had no hands-on, literally or figuratively, I had no hands-on experience with women. Uh, and, and when I started writing movies, uh, they kind of showed the kind of female characters. And I finally, executive took me aside and said, "You know, if, if Jessica Rabbit is your idea of a woman, maybe you should stick to writing prison movies or uh, Turkish prison movies." He said, "Actually, yeah, or war movies where you won't have to deal with quote feminine issues." Um, and so, you know, for me, writing a book about not just a, a the, the the woman that's regarded as uh, one of the premier um, sexually sexually attractive and and prominent women of uh, the you know the not just a decade but uh, two decades uh, is tough, and I wanted to make sure that I, I carried it off. So, um, periodically, I would send what I'd written to uh, beta, beta readers. I had read, uh, would read my stuff. And, and a lot of them were not the kind of, kind of people who liked my, my stuff, which is great. Uh, a lot of them didn't spy novels. A lot of them didn't mystery novels. A lot of them had never read any of my novels. Uh, and I enlisted them to read this. To make sure that, that they did it right, and all of these readers were women. All of them were women. Um, I wanted to make sure that this book would appeal to women. They would not regard Jessica, a uh, uh, human Jessica, just a, a cartoon character. Made real. And uh, the response was overwhelming. They all loved this book, and they all loved the portrayal of Jessica. The um, the biggest comment that I got. Uh, and I got this comment often from multiple readers, uh, was, geez, you know, Jessica Rabbit is exactly the kind of woman I have always wanted. And uh, you know, there it is. Um, I, I think I've succeeded. It's, uh, it's a really good book. The, the, uh, uh, the other kind of interesting thing that happened, uh, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in karma, a great believer in the fact that when you need things, uh, they will be there waiting. And um, the, the relationship that I have with Disney in terms of what Jessica looks like um, is a complex one. I own the characters, so I can write books, short stories, anything written. I can write you know, my characters, Roger, Jessica, maybe Robin. If I want to show that character on the cover of the book, uh, I have to go to Disney for approval. Uh, and, of course, that, that means we have to approve, which they have in the pen. And I put Roger and Jessica on the cover. We plugged Roger Rabbit. I've used Roger and Jessica in lots of magazines that I've written about. You know, I wrote a super vet magazine about Roger Rabbit buys a Corvette and tons of pictures of Roger, and, including one of me and Jessica in my Corvette. Um, and so it wasn't, it wasn't, unheard of that they would do that, but since this is a different take on Jessica, since Jessica in this book is human, 
I did not want to show the traditional be Jessica because that immediately starts people off with the wrong with the wrong impression. Uh, so uh, I was looking for some kind of an image that I could use on the cover. I, w- I wanted to do some kind of artwork. Uh, I wanted to have a, a Jessica that was, you know, uh, obviously Jessica. And what what would you do you know, to, to portray Jessica? Well, red hair, lips. Um, that would probably do it. You know, that underneath the word Jessica Rabbit, and you would say, oh yeah. It's so I was looking to do an artistic treatment of Jessica uh, in a James Bond state. Uh, so I've got a lot of pictures of uh, uh, James Bond, uh, mostly Sean Connery, Daniel Craig, Tito's. And one of the things about Sirius that, that's kind of funny, you know, uh, Sirius agents always wear a tuxedo, no matter what they're doing. I mean, if they're going bowling, a tuxedo. When they go to the gym, they wear their tuxedos. If they go swimming, uh, tuxedo gets wet. I mean, they wear their tuxedos all the time. They never take them off. Um, probably makes them less secret than they think they are. But <laughs> so, so Jessica, of course, in the book, was a series of, of high-style, extremely expensive tuxedos. tuxedos. And so I wanted, I was thinking about having an artistic treatment of a, you know, a woman with just red hair popping, red lips popping, uh, bond stamps, uh, standing up, holding a gun, whatever. The Fancy Jansen, who was, uh, I think a villainous, one of the James Bond movies, did a pose where she, she did it. And, and I sent it to my artist, the guy who's done a lot of my book jackets for me. For some reason, he just couldn't seem to, couldn't seem to get his head around it, and um, just tried and tried, and sent me a bunch of stuff that I, I just didn't sing me, as we say in the movie. They're always saying, "Well, that doesn't sing me." Well, it just and uh, it was being a little, uh, a little perturbed. I didn't think that that this was going to work out. When all of a sudden, over the transom, I get a piece of artwork from a fan, and the guy's name is Andy Prisden, and you know, this is Andy is not. I he was just a, I don't even know if he's a Roger Rabbit. I, I honestly don't know. He's never had that conversation. He he's an artist, does some of the most interesting and creative line drawings I've ever seen. And if you don't follow him on Facebook, you should because every day he does ten. And I am aghast at how clever and creative this guy is with simple lines, just the simple lines and simple colors, and um, it just blows me away. There's all kinds of really interesting, you could, you could almost call them um, cartoons, except they're not funny. They're, they're line drawings that all have a point and all have a message. They're just brilliant. Well, Andy Prisney, uh, who had been following me on Facebook, I didn't really been following me on Facebook, sent me this artwork, and it was uh, like a Picasso Matisse ultra-modern look uh, at a deconstructed Jessica done with all lines. And you look at it, and it's clearly meant to represent Jessica Rabbit, although it's it's like a Picasso, uh, Picasso look at Jessica Rabbit. Uh, contorted legs, and she's sitting on a, on a box that says danger, and there's a there's a huge stick of dynamite at her feet, and there's some rabbit ears poking up and behind the, the box, and she's holding a drink, and the bubbles are going up and over her head. And I, I, he just sent this to me, and he he had his message was, "Would you post this on your Facebook page?" Yeah, yeah. I looked at it, and it just absolutely blew me away. It just it was karma. Uh, things are there when you, I needed a cover for my book. And Andy Prisney's drawing, and I wrote him back and said, "Andy, is there going to be more than post a Facebook page? I mean, I'm going to put you on the cover of my new Super Rabbit novel." And of course, he got semi blown away by that. <laughs> um, and um, so I did. And uh, so the cover of the new Jessica Rabbit series for this novel is basically fan art, and. You know, I I always I say this a lot with talks that uh, 
if you really believe in what you're doing, believe in what you believe in yourself, just never give up. Just keep trying and trying and trying, and sooner or later you can succeed. And you know, here's a guy, uh, you know, a fan. I'm assuming he's a Roger Rabbit fan, and then Jessica, um, who sent him a drawing unsolicited, and now uh, it's going to be on the cover. It's probably going to be a book. Um, it is. It's going to become known as the guy who did the cover of the Jessica. Um, he, uh, the other, the other thing, I when I sign books, I'm not, I'm a writer, not an artist. <laughs> Once uh, people are always saying, "Well, can you just include a sketch of the rabbit, or can you include a sketch of Jessica?" And my answer is always no, because I draw stick people. I cannot <laughs> draw Jessica. I cannot draw. I never have been able to. I, uh, you know, thank God I have an entire Disney art department to do my drawing for me because I couldn't do it. And uh, one time a guy just was, and the guy said, I will pay you $200. You will draw Jessica. And I, 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 I was honest with him. I, I cannot draw Jessica. She's going to be a stick woman. He said, I don't care. So, okay. So I do, I do basically something that looks like a Christmas tree with a head and arm. All right. And I, I, this is Gary K. Wolf's version of Jessica Rabbit. And I signed it and gave it to him. And um, it's horrible. It's ugly, horrible, ugly. Um, somebody just sent me a, a posting that the thing is up for sale on eBay. And the high bid so far is $1,500. So yeah. So maybe I missed my calling. But um, when I sign books, um, for me, autographing books is uh, an undertaking. It's not just putting them in a book. And say, hey, to Jane, uh, thanks, Gary. It's a lot more complicated than that. Sometimes it takes me half an hour to autograph a book because I write a personal message, do a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I can't draw the rabbit, but I can draw his footprint. So I always put Roger's footprint in every book. Uh, it's a big deal for me. When I, when I started doing the Roger Rabbit books, uh, I wanted to include. Uh, an image of Roger with my autograph. Well, I can't draw. So I went to Disney. Could you guys do me a rubber stamp, Roger and Jessica, in the classic poses? And they did. They gave me a really lovely uh, rubber stamp of Jessica, a really, really incredible stamp of Roger. And so I include those in every book that I autograph. And in fact, um, a lot of people come up to me. In fact, recently I live in Boston. This was Somebody stopped me in the street and recognized me. I said, oh, you're Gary Cage. Yeah. And believe it or not, the guy pulled a copy of my out of his backpack. And said, would you autograph my book? He said, yeah, I'd love to, but I got this whole thing I do. You know, and I, I got to have my stamps. And I, you know, so uh, I took his address and I put the book and I took it home and I did my thing with his book and I autographed it. And, and mailed it to him. The only thing wound up costing me ten bucks. Uh, a random stranger I met on the street who happened. Uh, a little aside, that was was the second time in my career that I've ever been recognized. Um, the first time was back in San Francisco when I was just starting out. I was a science fiction writer. I hadn't Roger Rabbit yet, but I was pretty well known as a science fiction writer. And um, we used to do uh, we used to do a lot of shows. Uh, they had a show, it was a midnight Saturday show called Creature Creature, and it was hosted by Elvira in the Dark. Um, Elvira's name, she's still alive, it's a talker, very charming girl. And, uh, oh, Cassandra which, Peterson? Yeah, that's her, yeah, that's her. And, uh, you know, her shtick was, uh, uh, she up in her long black hair and push-up bra and dress, black dress. And, um, but she had me on for Creature Creature because of my science fiction and uh, I don't remember what the movie was showing me. It would show a movie, and during the break, yeah, they would, uh, I don't remember what the movie was. I don't remember anything about it, except that three months later, my wife and I were in a pizza in San Mateo, and we ordered a pizza, and we were at our, our booth. Kid brought the pizza from the kitchen, put it down on the table, and looked at me and said, Creature Features. And I, and I, I, was, I was amazed that he had remembered me, but I actually was <laughs> kind of impressed. Uh, but this was only the second time that they did it. Anyway, 
of getting back to Arthur. So uh, I like to include uh, a picture in, in the book, Center for Infamy, and I sometimes put up a wing and have them say something to it. Um, but I didn't want to use my Jessica in this book for the for the same reason that I didn't want to do the traditional Jessica on the cover, uh, because this isn't about the traditional Jessica. So again, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that uh, Carmel came easier. I went back to Andy, who did the cover of the book, to Andy. I said, I need uh, a simple line drawing of Jessica in your style to use inside the book as a stamp when I autograph it. Can you do that for me? And of course, you know, he hopped right to me and uh, uh, went through about 10 iterations uh, and finally came up with something that's just absolute. In fact, um, it is so perfect that had I seen that before I saw what's on the cover, I, I may well have put that on the cover. Later. But uh, I had a stamp made. Uh, now, when I autograph a copy of the Rabbit series, you also get a basically a really neat stamp. It looks like a line drawing of uh, Jessica Rabbit. And um, I am still able to count the number of those that I've used. I just got the stamp. I think I'm up to 28. Uh, lucky guy got number one. I put a number one. Uh, and one, one, the, the the person who bought a book when I had just gotten the stamp, I gave him a choice. I said, "Look, you know, I'm, I got this Jessica Rabbit stamp. If you want, I'll let you be the last one to get the old Jessica Rabbit stamp." And they went for that, so I stamp in there. But now all the uh, Jessica Rabbit books have the new stamp. And, you know, if you're a book collector, it's a must-have. Yes, it's uh, it's those uh, little changes that. Spike them in value at some point. Yeah, and um, you know it's um, it, it's like I say, it's hard for me to talk about this book. They really give away a lot of the story. Um, I will say we talked about this. Uh, you and I talked about this earlier here, but um, the other question I get is, what the serious in the title of the book, Jessica Serious Business, and. Uh, it's been it's been a big it's been a big topic of conversation in the Roger Rabbit chat room and on my on my Facebook page, uh, people were serious, were serious about it. And at first, I was kind of snarky about it. I said, well, you know, if you read the book, you would know. <laughs> it takes place in the book, and it's not meant to be obvious. If it was meant to be obvious, then it would not be as much fun. So read the book. Um, but that didn't seem to stop anybody. I made that comment to somebody, and he came right back and said, well, I bet it has something to do with Xerox. <laughs> so finally, I have now taken to explain, when somebody asks that question, what does Sirius stand for? Uh, I now explain what Sirius is. It's an acronym, and it stands for Extremely Elusive. Reliable Intelligence and Undercover Operation Service. Serious. Extremely spelled with an X. Um, now, uh, there's a joke in that. And uh, if you, I will repeat it again, and if you want to write it down, um, you maybe figure it out. If you want to buy the book, uh, it is Jessica who figures out what the joke is. In, but there is a joke, and it's pretty obvious. So, uh, Sirius, spelled like Sirius with an S except with an X, stands for Extremely Elusive, Reliable Intelligence, and Undercover Operations Service. So write that down and then see what the joke is. In that. And there is a joke there. And whoever guesses, um, I'll come over to your house and give you a high five. I don't know. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> So the other question I'm getting now is, um, is this going to be an audio book? Um, and I, you know, I really haven't haven't gone there yet. I don't know. Um, all of my books have just come out as audio books. Censored Roger Rabbit, who uh, plugged Roger Rabbit, and who liked Roger Rabbit, all just out as audio books, and are doing really well. So uh, I'm assuming that the company that did those will also want to do them. You never know. The thing I like about having it as an audio book um, is that it makes life so much easier because before they came out as audio book, 
if somebody wanted an audio version of one of my books, then they would give me their phone. I would call them up and I would read it to them on the phone. And it just took so much of my time. It was so much easier. Really, it really makes my life a lot more pleasant. Yeah, but you don't get the Carrie K. Wolf uh, personal special anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. That's too bad about that. You should have uh, should have bought and had me call you up when you had the chance. Uh, but I, you know, the the other thing um, that is um, on the horizon, I I wrote when I wrote this during the camp when I wrote this, I outlined it first because. Uh, he, really get a handle on the story and I outlined it and then just to make sure that I had a good handle on the story I wrote the story as a screenplay and um, so it it is it exists already as a screenplay um, and um, there is talk that there will be a live action anime Based on Jessica Rabbit series, starring um, someone as Jessica, whom we all—I I would say no one loved, but I think it's more no one lust after—in uh, <laughs> the future. Now, I really can't say anything about that. No, but uh, I already have. So there you go. <laughs> can't, don't tell me a secret. Oh, I can't keep it. What I do find interesting about this, uh, all of this is now Jessica is human gone tuned in the Roger Rabbit movie. Well, we well, saw, maybe not. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, let, let's just say that, that somewhere, somewhere down the line, uh, Jessica does become a tune because she's obviously a tune. Right. It might not happen in this book. Um, but let's say at some point, humans can become tunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, tunes can disguise themselves as humans. Yeah. Um, crazy world. (laughs) What, and as I was getting ready for this, uh, a thought popped into my head and I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, cause I've read some of your other, you know, I've read a lot of your, uh, shorts and, uh, I was wondering if you thought it possible for humans to use, uh, you know, the ability to turn into a tune as like a sense of immortality. Uh, it's an interesting thought. And, you know, that's, that's another, that's another, uh, underlying, uh, implication in, uh, Roger Ratchetown books that a lot of people into them that I didn't put there. It is the fact that essentially tunes are immortal. And, you know, the, the you know, the, the uh, the dip was actually a Disney show. Yeah, that, that didn't come out of my book. Although I have since I like it so well that I have since incorporated it into other. But uh, you know, aside from dip, you can't really kill a tune. You can you can hit him over the head with a sledgehammer. You can drop a piano on him and keep on ticking. So they really are kind of immortal. You know, the humans around them get older and die, but they don't. And uh, you know, they're young forever, forever young. Um, so, yeah, you know, if a human could become a tune, um, that, uh, that would be a, that would be a good thing. And, you know, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting point you bring up relative to what happens in Jessica Rabbit series. Um, because, uh, what the villain, what the villain's master plan, uh, is, is, you know, it's a nefarious, plan to take over the world where domination is always the end goal. Uh, but what his end goal is, even though you know, the people are serious business and, and all right people in the world want to prevent him from doing this, when you really think about what he's doing, not so bad. You know, maybe not so bad. And that's kind of what you're talking about here. When becoming tunes, well, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of fun. Twenty four hours of joviality. Uh, you're never gonna be sad. Uh, you know, if you lose your hand, well, boom, you you know, hold your nose, and another one another one pops out. Uh, not so bad. So yeah, it's an it's an interesting interesting premise. Um, 
you know, it, that's it kind of underlies all of my stories, even though it's not anything that I would actually come out and say, because um, it's more fun letting people discover something. Like yeah. On their own. I think that's fun. You know, like you did. I mean, I think that's fun. You know, yeah, like, that, that, that is in there. That is there. You know, because, like, I was looking at, you know, because, like, okay, the um, Rescue Rangers movie just came out. Yes. You know, and yes. Roger you know, has Rod, a cameo. Say, Roger appears. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of being dubbed as, like, a spiritual successor to the Roger Rabbit movie because it's, you know, very mm-hmm. much in the same style. And, you know, it's definitely shot about the same. You have humans, you have tunes. You know, it's the tunes the are actors. They're living in the real world, doing real world things. And, you know, of course, when that happens, much like it does all, you know, as it comes up every few years, will there be a sequel to Roger Rabbit? And it's like, okay, how would you do a sequel to Roger Rabbit? Um, Eddie Valiant's not with us. Well, um, yeah, true. Um, And then, like, and then I got to thinking, well, if humans can be tunes, you know, Eddie became a tune, and there's... A way around it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's and you plenty can, of ways. You know, you can you know still it's, honor it's entirely him. doable. And yeah, um, you know, people have gone through and read my books in sequence. Uh, you know, pointed out to me all of the many things that I have done that uh, in later books I have kind of conveniently forgotten about or ignored. Like in Who Plugged Roger Rabbit? Roger and Jessica have a child. Um, and who plugged Roger Rabbit? Uh, Jessica has a twin sister, Joellen, who is like her in every way. They're identical, except that Joellen is six inches high. And uh, she and Eddie have an affair, a love affair. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun writing. Um, but then you know, the, the, the baby and the twin sister kind of disappear and whack Roger Rabbit. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people call me on that, but you know, again, we get back to uh, tunes and time, and the fact that time is a slippery slope for tunes. Uh, so is reality. I mean, these are tunes we're talking about. These tunes live in an entirely different, you can almost say a parallel universe. Right. And, uh, and they just don't operate under the same rules. But, you know, Eddie Valiant is a good point. If we're going to make another Roger Rabbit movie, um, I, Bob Hoskins... I didn't think Bob Hoskins was ever going to be able to play. You know, he was a cockney British actor, and I think he'd ever be able to do a, a realistic, uh, acceptable L.A. private eye. But by golly, I mean, he had the L.A. private eye accent, the mannerisms. He, he, he became my Eddie Valiant, and now, of course, he's mine. Yeah. But uh, if we make another movie, um, well, we will get a, a different actor to play Eddie Valiant, and that's that's been done a million times. I mean, look at all the different people who have played Batman. All the different people who have played Superman. Uh, <laughs> how many Darrens were there on Bewitched? Uh, <laughs> you know, how many how many daughters did Roseanne have on the, the Roseanne show? I, I mean, they, they come and they go, and uh, um, you know, people don't people. I, I think people care, and, and for a while, people. Uh, people say, oh, gee, you know, this one wasn't as good as that one. Uh, rare occasions, oh, yeah, this one is better than that one. But it's it's movies, and it's all make-believe. And um, somebody else will come along, the Eddie Valiant. I, I want to maintain the Eddie Valiant character. I don't want to, you know, for, for legal reasons, because he didn't want to pay Bob Hoskins for the rights to his, uh, his image. Uh, when they did the Roger Rabbit comic book, they brought in a detective called Rick Flint. He was actually, he looked more like what I originally envisioned Eddie Valiant looking like. Big, tall, hunky <coughs> kind of guy, uh, ruggedly handsome, blonde. Um, but it wasn't my character. And um, so for, you know, for any, for any sequel, I want the Eddie Valiant character to remain because you know I named that character after my father. Uh, it's important to me, and you know we will cast someone else. We will we will cast an actor. Uh, it's going to be hard to find someone good as Bob Hoskins, but 
there are actors who do it. Um, Eddie Redmayne, I think Eddie Redmayne do it. Uh, um, and we will have a new Eddie Valiant, just like they've had a new. Uh, um, we've had a couple of Wonder Womans too. So, you know, the people, the Marvel universe has kind of preconditioned people to seeing characters change their kind of internal identity, what they look like. Um, I, I think that'll be that'll be fine when we do the new Rock. We'll see, and yeah, it's like with humans and you know, human actors who you know ultimately pass. Um, it, it goes back to that you know immortality thing that we were talking about with tunes, because you know tunes are you 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 draw a picture of Roger today, it's going to be the same twenty years from now. It is, and um, you know it's interesting um, because. Um, this I, I just found this out. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story out of school here, but uh, because even even cartoons, even tunes, change what they. Um, Bugs Bunny today does not look at all like Bugs Bunny did. No, it's totally different. Uh, so is Donald Duck. So is Mickey Mouse. They're, they're all totally different, and um, yet people accept that, uh, just like they accept the changing. I'll tell you a really interesting story that I just found out. I didn't realize. When we were making the movie, Steve Spielberg went around and got all the Warner Brothers characters. Warner Brothers gave him the characters with the understanding that the characters in the movie would be the 1985 characters, not the 1940s characters. Remarkable difference. I mean, totally different look of characters. So the more and, at that time, the more recent uh, characters. Yeah, they, they wanted Warner Brothers wanted the more recent characters, not the old ones. Yeah. So. Uh, Steve Spielberg came back with that and told the animators. Of course, the animators wanted to maintain historical authenticity. They wanted to use the 1940s characters. And it, you know, they, they really accepted the fact that Warner Brothers was... Uh, so they basically did two versions of the Warner Brothers characters. They did one with the modern characters and with modern, what was in the movie. And they did the same scene again with 1940s characters. They took the 1985 uh, animation and showed it to Warner Brothers, and they put the 1940s animation. <laughs> and the brothers didn't know it until the movie came out. And when Warner Brothers saw that, they freaked. They said, oh my God, you know, they used the old characters. Well, by that time, um, the, yeah, the movie was, you know, it made, it made $750 million and it, was, it was surpassed a billion. Worldwide, and uh, as a result of it, the 1940s Warner Brothers characters got a resurgence of popularity, and so all of a sudden, Warner Brothers found out that they were able to sell dolls and um, books and all that kind of stuff with the old characters as well as the new characters. So they've now doubled their revenue stream. They were happy, but at first, not so much. Uh, I, I just found out that story. I didn't. Uh, one other, one other story. Uh, I made a, one other story. The Disney animators hated Warner Brothers. They just could not see. So in the scene where Mickey and Bugs are parachuting uh, down next to Eddie, and, um, you know, they're talking, and Mickey is talking to Bugs, Bugs is talking to Mickey. Um, there, there's something called a gag in the margin, where, where an animator, the film goes through a camera at 24 frames a second. So animators have to draw 24 frames or four cells uh, in order to... Uh, match up to that so that it looks flawless in this. Um, so in if the animators found out years and years, decades ago, in the 1920s, that they could screw around with six of those 24 frames, just 24 <laughs> of a second, and put in little gags that nobody could see except the end. So in one gag in the margin, when Mickey and Bugs are parachuting down, Mickey was going to give Bugs a thing. Okay? So, uh, Everybody thought this was a hilarious joke and a big gotcha for one. So uh, this was being done at uh, Dick Williams Animation Studio in London. Dick had brought in animators from all over the world, a lot of third world countries, uh, investing themselves with animation departments, a lot of those people. Um, so it was a really, real kind of United Nations Tower of Babel over there. It's people speaking all kinds of foreign languages. You wanted to speak to the guy who spoke Spanish and to speak to the guy who spoke English and Dutch, and he would speak to the guy who spoke Dutch and Italian. Would speak to the guy who spoke <laughs> and 
Um, so they they gave that animation uh, to a young kid. I think he was from. And of course, you had to go through multiple translations to tell him what they wanted. They wanted Mickey Lumps the Finger. And somewhere along the line, it got reversed. And so if you watch that scene, and you can watch it today, I mean, you will see that instead of Mickey giving Bugs the finger, it's Bugs giving the finger. <laughs> Which was exactly, exactly the wrong message. Uh, little known tales of Hollywood. <laughs> As a refresher, where can listeners keep up to date with you and pick up Jessica Rabbit Serious Business? Well, everybody should pick up Jessica Rabbit. It's climbing the charts rapidly. Um, you can go to my website, www.jerrywolf.com, uh, and you can see all of my stuff there. Uh, I, I'm trying to get a blog going. My, uh, my uh, internet guy is uh, dragging his heels. Everybody drags their heels in my business. Karma, something will happen. But uh, uh, www.jerrywolf.com, and you'll be able to hear uh, this podcast on there when it's uh, when it's. Uh, you'll be able to read all about uh, my works, and you'll be able to buy all my books. Uh, you can also go to Amazon.com. And um, you go to Amazon.com, and you type in either Jessica Rabbit or Serious Business, Serious with an X, uh, it'll pop right up. And if you are a Kindle Unlimited reader, the book is free. <laughs> What's that all about? The book is free. So, uh, you know, I make it up on volume. So, uh, you know, you get the book, uh, you get the book for nothing. You can't beat that. Price is right. So, no, that's a hell of a deal. Yeah, a hell of a deal. And, uh, you know, if you go to my Facebook page, friend me on Facebook, uh, I'm easy enough to find very few. There are many others. And, uh, if you want to pick up a copy of, or you want a, an autograph copy, uh, message me on Facebook, and, uh, I will make that happen. And listeners, I'll post those uh, links in the episode description for easy access. And you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Gary, this has been an absolute blast. I was glad to have you back. Thanks. I, you know, I love, I love doing this podcast because it's always a lot of fun for me. You know how to get the best out of me. It's not easy to get. I don't say anything. Well, thank you. And listeners, go pick up. Jessica Rabbit, Serious Business. Go pick up, if you haven't, the rest of the Roger Rabbit franchise books and give this man a read. He's an amazing <laughs> yeah. a, a, an amazing <laughs> author with tons <laughs> of work out there to read. So what are you doing, p- people? Thank you so much. And listeners, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. And unless you heard it here, it's probably just a load of bullspit. Till next time, take it easy. Ooh-wee, that sure was some bullspit, but I sure had fun. Junior, you need some help. Be sure to tune in next time.